Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Game Over Vancouver. I am your host, Clay Emo Canuck Clay, and I'm in a good mood. I'm in a festive mood. I'm wearing my Canucks Christmas sweater. We got the Canucks Christmas lights going on. We got the Roberto Luongo bobblehead. Well, I hope I didn't break it there. And we're in a good mood because the Canucks have defeated the Nashville Predators five to two. The Canucks have won six of their last seven. The Canucks are one point behind the Vegas Golden Knights with the same number of games played. And believe it or not, all this talk about points percentage in the LA Kings, if the Kings somehow lose to the Sharks tonight, the Canucks are actually going to have a higher points percentage than the LA Kings. So they'll rightfully be in second place. So we have so much to talk about. I am so glad that you are here. We'll break down the game for the first bit. Then for the second part of the show, I want to talk about Andre Kuzmenko because I think uh, despite all the good things that is going on with the Canucks, that's kind of like the biggest story, the biggest off-ice story with the Canucks right now. Kind of interesting that the Canucks keep winning without him. And then, and then, of course, for the third segment of the show, I will take all of your questions as part of the the game over presser. So once again, thanks for being here. I probably won't get into the chat too much until later in the in the show. But while you're here, why don't you uh, type in where you're watching from tonight? We always love to hear and see where some of you are watching from, whether you're in, in BC, across Canada, or around the world. Also, while you're here, I invite you to subscribe to this channel, the SDPN channel, Steve Dangle Podcast Network. We're at 97,800. I don't think we're going to get to 100,000 subscribers before the end of the year, but we'll at least get to 98,000. So subscribe if you have not subscribed already and you can hit the notification bell so you don't miss any of our shows. We do all seven Canadian cities, all Canadian teams, I should say, and, the, and their post-game shows, sometimes against one e- each other as well. You can also like the video. I don't know what my counter says. I don't know if it's up to date, um, but make sure that you like the video as well and like the fact that we are together talking about a Vancouver Canucks win. So I see Northern BC. I see Vancouver. I see Cranbrook. I see Poco. I see Mr. C from Edmonton. Nice to see you. I see some Saskatchewan with Antonio. So we're slowly moving across the country. I see Surrey. I see Prince Rupert. I see more Surrey. Wow, I see a lot of people in here, which is great. Oh, there we go. Toronto. So we are moving. Can I get a Maritimes? Can we get a Maritimes in here? Okay, maybe we stopped at Toronto, but that's okay. I will take that. And then now we're going back west with North Van. No problem. You guys can keep typing where you're from in there. But like I said, I won't probably get into the chat until the third segment of the show. So first segment, 
When we talk about the game, second segment, we are going to talk about Andre Kuzmenko, who wasn't playing in the game. And the third segment, we are going to answer all of your questions. And yes, I'm seeing some familiar faces, some from my channel as well. And if you're new to me, you can also follow me, uh, subscribe to me here on YouTube, Canuck Clay, very simple, because my name's Clay and I like the Vancouver Canucks, so Canuck Clay, both here and on X. But that's enough about me. Let's talk about the team that I so dearly love. This team is good, you guys. 22-9-2. 13 games over 500 now. Doing simple math. If the Canucks play 500 hockey for their final 49 games of the season, they're going to wind up with 95 points. And that, that's a basically, basically a wild card spot. But why stop at 95 points? Why don't we go for 105 points? 115 points? Yeah, we can be 33 games over 500 if we really try. Uh, that might be a little tough. But yeah, you get to 105 points. Now you're talking about first or second in division as opposed to a wild card spot. So yes, everyone in here, I appreciate you no matter uh, you know what time zone you're watching from. The fact that you're here with me, that is awesome. So let's talk about this game. The Canucks... Thank goodness, did not have a slow start. They did not have a slow start. Maybe it's because this is within two hours, the regular start time, as opposed to that Minnesota game, as opposed to that Chicago game. But the Canucks had a decent start. It wasn't amazing, but they didn't score. Nashville didn't score until McKayev opens a, uh, no, no, McKayev, Pedersen opens the scoring on a wrist shot, a really nice play by, by PD. A really nice, actually, I'm just watching it right now. I should turn on the volume so it doesn't mess anything up. And this was um, this was a a good the the way the Canucks ended off both periods was pretty good. They scored two goals at the end of the first, and they scored two goals at the end of the second. And this was a goal where Petey it basically starts in the neutral zone, and it's a it's a really nice pass uh, from his line mates. Suter um, takes the puck out of uh, basically passes the puck from out of his zone, and a quick one touch pass from Mikheyev to Petey streaking down the right side. And Petey is good. He, he knows he's not the fastest skater, but he knows he has just enough time, just enough room to get the puck onto his forehand. And then he snaps it past Sarles' glove. So uh, instead of going far side, he went short side. And the Canucks were up 1-0 with three minutes remaining in the period. So yes, they no one really dominated the first part of the, uh, the, the, first part of the game. But then um, it was nice that the Canucks actually opened the scoring. And did I mess that up? He went, uh, did he go glove or he went blocker? I'm sorry, he went blocker side. On Searle. So one nothing for the Canucks. Then just 31 seconds later is the fourth line with Niels Oman and Phil DiGiuseppe and Sam Lafferty. They're out there and they're doing some good hard work, some good forechecking. And then what happens for this goal is the Nashville Predators, they try and get it out of their own corner. Searle uh, is right. And they try and ring it, uh, well, not even ring it. They try and get it to Tyson Berry, who's, who comes from in front of the net and comes to Saros's right. And Berry just misses it. It goes actually between Berry's skate and the stick. And then Neil Zaman is saying, wow, Christmas came early. And not as, not as easy as Joshua's goal last week against Florida, but this one was pretty easy too. And then Oman puts it past a very stunned UC Saros, also on his blocker side. This one wasn't... I wouldn't even say that the first goal was Saros' fault because PD has a wicked wrist shot. We know that. I wouldn't even say this goal was Saros' fault because he wouldn't expect the puck to basically be sitting on his doorstep when they technically, his teammates, had control of the puck in, in the corner behind him. So like I said, Tyson Berry just misses it. It bounces off the side of the net and then Neil Zaman is there to make it 2 nothing. So already, the Canucks are going into the first intermission 
up to nothing. And remember, there's those stats of how, how often the Canucks score the first goal of the game, uh, two-thirds of the time they score. And then there's also that amazing stat where they have not lost a game where they're leading going into the third period. So going in the first intermission, they looked pretty good, and it was a 2 nothing uh, start for them. Then, uh, oh, I, I guess at the end of the first period, the other funny thing was, um, <laughs> I think it was Lausanne who rubbed out Garland on the boards. Pretty hard check, not dirty, but pretty hard check. So Joshua, being a good teammate, comes over and challenges Lausanne, but Lausanne doesn't want to fight. But then Michael McCarron wants to fight Joshua, and Joshua's like, no, why would I fight you? You have nothing to do with this play. And I, so and, and Joshua just skates away. McCarron either said something to Joshua and or the ref because he gets uh, unsportsmanlike conduct, and he gets a misconduct, and he gets a game misconduct. So I don't know which one's worth what, but he just got a lot of penalty minutes, this McCarron guy. And then he puts the Canucks on the power play. And basically, though, the, the, the one of the only things I didn't like about the, the Canucks today is that they didn't score on their three power play chances. So in the second period, the Canucks... Um, and the, the National Predators, I'd say, dominated the second period. The Canucks, the second period has been the best period for the the Canucks all, all season, but maybe they weren't used to dominating the or outplaying the opponent in the first period, so they thought maybe they should give the second period. Usually the other way around. The Canucks usually get outplayed in the first period, and then they dominate the second period. This one, the Canucks outplayed Nashville in the first period, and then Nashville dominated at least the first 14 minutes of the, the middle frame. And then Lazan, the same guy who who nailed Connor Garland at the end of the at the end of the first period, he's the one who scores the goal, the only goal for Nashville, the first goal for Nashville up in that time. And if you guys remember this one, this one, uh, the one thing that the Canucks seemed to have trouble with, th- this didn't look dangerous. It was a three on three as Nashville gained the line, but uh, sometimes the the reads, especially when it's Hughes and Hronick, maybe they rely too much on their offensive ability, but sometimes their reads aren't the best. And then what was a simple three on three suddenly becomes a, a two-on-one because uh, whoever was streaking in the net got past Quinn Hughes. Meanwhile, Hironik's trying to take Jeremy Lazan. Lazan, I, I, I think, I do think that Casey DeSmith was having flashbacks to when Minnesota did the exact same thing. A seemingly innocent play became an outnumbered rush. That's the last game that DeSmith played in. So I wouldn't blame DeSmith if he, if he was worried about the Nashville Predator skater coming in on his left. So he kind of cheats a little bit to his left and then Lazan, uh, with a really good shot, puts a, a wrist shot as a lefty past dismiss blocker on the right. So that's how Nashville scores. Now it's two one. Nashville has the has the carry of uh, the play, and then we're thinking, oh, hopefully the Canucks can come out of this period with uh, the lead, and they certainly do that because just 15 seconds after that goal, a draw, a faceoff, it's one to Hronik. One point to the other point to Hughes. Hughes takes a shot, and Hoglander basically puts a stick down on the ice as the puck is getting past him in the slot. And it's a beautiful deflection past Sorrells. And like I said, just 15 seconds later, it's 3-1 Vancouver. But they're not done because just 46, 46 seconds after that, a weird play on uh, it's the the, the Pedersen line um, holding the, the puck in the Predator zone. The Predators try to clear it. I can't remember which point man is, but the point man for Vancouver puts it towards the net and bounces off like both PD and the defenseman. Then PD does a, a nice little, um, I think, does he shoot it or he passes it? All I know is it gets to um, it gets to Mikheyev. No, I think PD shoots it on net. 
and then Mikhail is in front of the net trying to trying to push it in, and it's lying under Soros, and then and then Suter comes and then just uh, shovels it into the net. A really good mucky muck goal. The Canucks are doing better with those kind of goals. Mucky muck. I have trademarked that term, and um, I call him Pius Shooter because that's his fifth goal of the season. And man, it's so awesome to have Bluger and and Suter doing so good as as you know uh, off off season pickups for the Vancouver Canucks. So Suter scores, PD and Mikheyev get the assist, and now it's 4-2, excuse me, 4-1, heading into the second intermission. And then you're feeling really good because coming into the game, the Canucks, I think, uh, they had led 18 times going into the third period, and they had not lost um, when that happened. And sure enough, they did it again. In fact, it's Teddy Bluger that opens the scoring on, um, I think, a... Uh, yeah, at the end of the second period, Nashville took a two-man penalty. So at the start of the third, the Canucks had just finished their power play, which they didn't score on. So Hughes was still on the ice, and then Teddy Bluger comes over the boards, and Hughes just pokes it ahead to Bluger, and Bluger puts a really quick, quick wrist shot up and over Soros, ending his night, and now it's 5-1, to one, and then Cody Glass gets a garbage goal. I, I think the fourth line, along with Cole and Juleson, I'm not blaming them. It's it's 5-1. You, you just want to not get hurt. And the game off, and they were a little bit loose on their coverage. And then Cody Glass scores on a centering pass from Smith. And that is the final goal of the game. And it's 5-2 for the Vancouver Canucks. The Canucks, unfortunately, do not escape the game without a two-man men penalty. They had seven men. Why stop at six men? If you're going to get called, anyways, put seven skaters on the ice plus the goalie. Have eight guys on the ice. Why not? Because you don't, you don't get a penalty based on the severity of how many extra guys you have on the ice. So, unfortunately, the Canucks uh, took another too many men penalty and you just look at the the stats the Canucks outshot Nashville 35 to 28 they outface off them both teams went 0 for in the power play which is good for the Canucks penalty killing bad for their power play very disciplined uh Vancouver Canucks only took four minutes in penalties whereas uh Nashville took 26 minutes because 22 of them went to that same guy uh hits were about the same block shots Canucks blocked 17 shots to Nashville's three pretty impressive and it was the I've talked about this on my own shows Sometimes it's the Miller Besser Hoglander line. A lot of times it's the Dakota Joshua, Connor Garland, Teddy Bluger line. Tonight it was the PD line who combined for six points. Uh, even strength goal, PD for Mikhail and Suter. And then actually and the, the same two guys. Actually, both both of their, their goals for that line were, were at even strength, of course, because the Canucks didn't score in the power play. So all goals were even strength tonight. So the, it's nice to see that that line contributes. I'm just waiting for the... For the game where the PD line contributes, the Miller line contributes, and the the Bluger line contributes. But as long as one line contributes and in a big way, and they did, they combined for six points, like I said. So the Canucks defeat the National Predators 5-2. to two. And in doing so, the cool thing is, you guys, Vegas lost 6-3 to three to Carolina today. So if you're a Canucks fan, this is good news because the Canucks inched to one point behind Vegas. Vegas has 47 points. We have 46 points. And we played 33 games. So we are legitimately same amount of games, one point behind Vegas. Now we're saying, what the heck? How come Vegas has played 33 games? How come Vancouver's played 33 games? And LA's only played 27, six fewer. Well, LA's playing San Jose. They're they're playing right now. And then after this game, LA would have played 28 games. So there would only be five five behind Vegas and Vancouver. But uh, it's 0-0 right now as I record this. But the, this is a cool thing. If LA loses in regulation, 
by points percentage, they'll actually be legitimately in third. So we 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 don't have to keep saying Vancouver's in second, but really they're in third. No, they'll, Vancouver will be in second both based on points and points percentage. So that's if the Kings lose in regulation. If the Kings get one point, their winning percentage becomes 696. Ours is 697. So they are right, basically tied with us in terms of points percentage. And if the Kings win tonight, they actually boost up to 714 points percentage ahead of both Vegas and the Canucks. And again, they will still have five games in hand. They might win those five. They might lose all five. The law of averages, they're going to get seven out of those 10 points. That's what 70 uh, you know, 70% points percentage means. So in essence, uh, you, you could basically say that Vegas, Vancouver, and the Kings are all within one or two points of each other. Of course, we don't worry about that, Canucks fans. We worry about winning our games like we've done six of the last seven. We worry about putting our stamp on, on the games and we don't worry about what happens, what happens with other teams because every team's got to play 82 games and then... Uh, you figure out from there. So a great win by the Vancouver Canucks. Um, you know what I'm going to do before I get to my the second part of the show where I'm going to talk about Andre Kuzmenko. I just want to hear really quickly from you. Put in the chat, what was the one key to the game? If you could only name one key to the game, whether it's one player, whether it's one play, one aspect, don't go on a 200 uh, character rant. Well, you do whatever you want, actually. I appreciate that you're at the show and there's 100 of you in here. But no, put in the chat, and I'll highlight a couple of them real quick. What was the key to the game for you? The one key to today's game. Was it a certain player, a certain play, a certain player not playing, which I'll get to in a second. No, I don't think that was the reason. So tell me, tell me, tell me, what was the key to tonight's game, tonight's win? So Fangirl says it was PD, his play, a goal and assist. I like Amb1 says rolling all four lines. That's a great point. They did indeed roll all four lines to the point where I'm just trying to look at the, the time on ice. Everyone got between 1108, which was Sam Lafferty, and no one had more than 1858, which was PD. And that's on that's on the that's in the forwards. That's really good. That's a that's a nice distribution of all four lines. So Fangirl says PD, goal and assist. M1 says rolling four lines. Shafin says it was Casey to Smith. Raging Fury says the quick response to, to it says stamp out. I think he's saying to stamp to stamp out, but stamp sounds like a pretty aggressive word. Dravakian says back checking. Wallach says to Smith. Lefty all around says hustle. Last resort says crashing the net. Then we got quick goals. Connor Garland, quick goals. Hogging to Smith, short memory and forecheck. Love it, love it, love all those things. And we can, you guys can continue to talk about it as we go. Yes, Duck, the highest time on ice as a forward was 1858 for PD. On D, it was Hughes at 23.02. But you take away Juleson, at and he's still at 16 minutes. All the defensemen had between 19 and 23 minutes. So a really good distribution for the, the five defensemen at least. So that is the recap of the game. Let's go to the big story. For the fourth time this season, for the fourth time, Andre Kuzmenko was scratched. Now, Andre Kuzmenko started the season as he played much of last season on the top line with Elias Pettersson and Ilya Mikheyev. And remember, Andre Kuzmenko, rookie season, an old rookie, had 39 goals last season. 
He had 39 goals, 35 assists. He had 74 points on 81 in 81 games. 74 points in 81 games. Because his shooting percentage was an, was an unheard of 27%. This season, he starts the season with PD and Mikheyev. Then I think there's one or two healthy scratches. And just before the, the healthy scratches start, remember he took on the power play, he took the JT Miller snapshot, slap shot to his face. So I'd be kind of scared too. I think that would affect my game too. Then he gets moved off of the first line, but he doesn't go to the second or third line. He just goes the extremes with Kuzmaker. You're either first line or fourth line. He gets dropped to the fourth line and he's played there with Phil Giuseppe. He's played there with Niels Oman. He's played there with Sam Lafferty. And then he's gotten scratched one more time recently. So he still has 17 points in 29 games. That's not bad. 17 points in 29 games. He has six goals on, on on the year. His shooting percentage is still a high. Well, the whole team's shooting percentage is high. Uh, his shooting percentage is 15%, which is still above the average. By the way, shooting percentage on the Canucks, you guys got to hear this. Everyone talks about PDO and how it's unsustainable and how the Canucks are scoring way more than they need to be or they should be. Check out these shooting percentages. Brock, 26%. Huglander, 22%. Lafferty, 22%. Joshua, 21%. JT Miller, 20%. McKayev, 18%. Suter, 17%. Susie, 17%. Petey, 15%. Kuzmeko, 15%. Bluger, 13%. Quinn Hughes, 11%. The Canucks have 12 players that are shooting 11% league average or higher. No wonder the Canucks are the highest scoring team in the entire league. So Kuzmenko coming off a point-per-game season. He's now getting basically 17 and 29. So less than, you know, it's like a 0.6 points per game pace. So I'm really curious, you guys, and I'm going to go to the chat in a couple of minutes for this. And I know you guys have been talking about this already. What is the future for Andre Kuzmenko? Because after his season last year, his rookie season as an old rookie, he signed a two-year contract with the Vancouver Canucks worth $11 million. So $5.5 million a season. Basically, he his contract replaced the Bo Horvat contract, but this one's only for two years. So Kuzmenko is making 5.5 a year this year and next year. And we talked about when the season started, oh, we got to trade Garland. Oh, we got to trade Beauvillier. Oh, we got to trade Myers because that's 5 million, 4 million, and 6 million respectively. It's funny. Beauvillier is gone. Myers is being pretty good. Garland has been great. Besser has been really good. He was in some trade talks last season. So would we even fathom trading Andre Kuzmenko? And if you're going to trade Andre Kuzmenko, what are you getting for him? He's a sixth goal scorer this year. He only plays 15 minutes of ice time. He gets power play one time, but he doesn't get points on the power play or he doesn't get a lot of them. And he's been playing on the fourth line. So what are you getting for Andre Kuzmenko if you do trade him? Are you throwing in a sweetener to get rid of that $5.5 million? Could the Canucks use that $5.5 million? Does Rick Tockett like Andre Kuzmenko? He seemed to like him last year as he tried to figure him out. I'm not convinced that he likes him so much this year. And then how do you get Kuzmenko more ice time? See, prior to tonight's game, prior to tonight's healthy scratch, I was saying that Kuzmenko is going to work his way up to the top line again. I I, I thought that this is Rick Tockett sending Kuzmenko a message. And I even predicted boldly that by Christmas, 
by Christmas, Kuzmenko will take his rightful spot with PD and Mikhail. Well, that's obviously not going to happen because there's only two more games before Christmas. Thursday in Dallas, Saturday at home against San Jose. My guess is Kuzmenko doesn't even play against Dallas. Why would you change anything about the line except for the goaltender against Dallas? And then who knows what happens after that for that final home game before Christmas. So uh, I don't think Kuzmenko is going to be traded before the roster freeze this week. I'm not sure if the Canucks are actively trading him. I'm sure Dan Milstein's going to say something in Twitter pretty soon because he's he's not the type to let something like this go. Always advocating for his players as a good agent should. So what's the path forward here, you guys? Tell me what the path forward is. Is it hoping that he he wakes up and, and starts to play the way Talkett wants him to play? Is it showcasing him a little bit, moving him up to the top line, not only so he gets confidence back, but maybe you're showcasing it him? Is it tough love, more scratches, or more bottom six shifts? So let me know in the chat. I'm going to go to you. What do you guys think is going to happen with Kuzmenko? Lefty all around says he's insurance in case of injuries. We might need the offense. Keep him for now. Yeah, that, he's the type of player that you want in the playoffs who can score. Fangirl says they need to play him more. He got more confidence as he played more after the scratch. Steel Dog says Kuzi isn't going anywhere. Aoun says Kuzi gets traded and Akita signs both with Washington Capitals. Oh, add to their Russian mafia there. Shafin, what is the Bali thing about? Yeah, the Bali thing was basically Kuzmenko went there to train and he was doing fitness and everything and he's... He started off the season okay. He's, his preseason was fine. So the jokes were, oh, maybe all the Canucks should go to Bali to train. But when you go to Bali, even if you if you hire a chef or hire a trainer or in constant contact with the Canucks, it's not the same as being in Vancouver and working out with your teammates or being in, in Florida and working out with some guys or being in Ontario and working out with some guys. And then we saw videos of him training in the jungles in Bali or in the, in the cliffs. To, to I think he did that to make sure it looked like he was doing something. But... Um, I don't think the Canucks management was thrilled that he did that for sure. Roster freezes tomorrow. Thank you, Fangirl. Last Resort says, Kuzi's not going to get you much. We need a top six winger desperately. Isn't that what Kuzi is? <laughs> and you won't get anything close back. His upside, if he gets going, is worth much more than paying a sweetener to get rid of him. Last Resort, excellent, excellent, excellent point. Lefty says, personally, I think he might have spent too much time in the Bally's beaches drinking margaritas. Spe- uh, allegedly, yeah, speculation, of course. Dravakian says, Bali gave Kuzi a belly. Bali gave Kuzi a belly. Got it. I got it. Bali gave Kuzi a belly. Nicely done. Don't quit your day, day job. Um, he's the type of player you want in the playoffs. Sure, he has offense, but he doesn't back check. Yeah, Doc, I guess what I'm saying is you you need scoring in the playoffs, but you're right. You need also need two-way players who are going to sacrifice the body and, and play every game like it's their last. I, I acknowledge that maybe that was a, a not a flippant comment, but maybe I had to think that out. But I'm saying you want a scoring in the playoffs for sure because scoring is, is hard to come by. Jeremy says Kuz is too nice of a player, which sadly is a detriment to his game. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure if he has many hits this season. And then RP says, why would you trade him when he's not performing? Let him play through it and assess after the season. That's true. He's got another, he's got another year after this. Excellent, excellent points from all of you. I think it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with with Andre Kuzmenko and yeah it's 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 an interesting story because of how much he makes because of the splash that he made last season and because how likable he is as well 
um, by by fans, by teammates, maybe everyone except Rick Tockett. I don't, and I shouldn't say that. I don't know that Rick Tockett doesn't like him, but he he certainly um, doesn't like to spend too much time talking about him when it comes to his media availability uh, availabilities. And then Rain says, was it the wrong decision to give Kuzi his two year his extension two games after hiring Tockett? I see what you're saying. Yeah, but um, there was no. I don't know, like how long do you wait? And there's no there's no indication that his play was going to drop off because he was fine. He was fine when Rick Tockett got here. But I, what, I hear what you're saying is it seemed to be quite early uh, when Rick Tockett was here. Very good, you guys. So we've talked about the game itself. We've talked about Andre Kuzmenko and the, the what might happen with him going forward, which is going to be an interesting story to watch. I will do a mid-show reminder to all of you to subscribe. There are 100 of you in here, which is great. So all 100 of you, subscribe if you have not subscribed already and like the video. I appreciate you guys doing both of those things. And then, um, yeah, then you can get, hit the notification bell and you'll get updated, notified. That's why it's called a notification bell. You get notified of all of the SDPN Game Over streams. Okay, friends. It, we are moving to the last part of the show. So for the last five to 10 minutes, depending on how, it should be a lot of questions today because there's a hundred of you in here. Talk to me, you guys. Talk to me. What is on your mind? What is on your heart? Whether you're a Canucks fan, any Predators fans in here? By the way, are there any Nashville Predators fans in here? I would love to know if you are in here and I'd love to know your thoughts about the game because Nashville, I, I'm, not, uh, I'm not dismissing them. They were the hottest team in the league coming into tonight they had won 13 of their last 16 they had won four in a row but the canucks uh, dominated nashville and they certainly made nashville look like the second um the second best team so let's go the sdpn game over presser that means press conference that means i got the mic you have the questions let's put them both together Steel Rock says Kuzi missed this game. I thought because Nashville was a heavy team. Yeah, I don't know about that. They didn't. They didn't play like a heavy team. Heavy team. Fangirl says, "Do you think Vancouver tries to acquire another right-handed D?" Yeah, that Ethan Bear didn't thing thing didn't work out, did it? You know, um, it's such an easy answer, but only if the price is right. Because Juleson has played well, but one injury to Hironik and Myers, we're kind of hooped on the right side. At least we have more depth on the left. So yeah, I wouldn't mind trying. But again, it depends on the cost, depends on who's out there for sure. Last Resort says, I'm irrationally angry that the la the team stopped playing on the last Nashville goal. Play for your goalie. Yeah, I, I think it'd be different if it was a shutout, Last Resort, for sure. But it was 5-1, so it's kind of weird. Like, what are you playing for? But I, I'm with you. I'm with you. The, the team did kind of all relax, and that was a very easy goal for Cody Glass. Steel Dog says, we're only 33 games in. I presume, Steel Dog, you're talking about the fact that it's uh, about Kuzi. Not to panic. Wallach was also upset about that last goal. Any uh, Jess says, any thoughts on the Yossi Shen pairing? You know, I didn't notice the Nashville defenseman a lot. I only noticed, noticed Tyson Berry because he got walked by Petey on the first goal and he, he lost the puck on the second goal. So um, I don't know, Jess, if you're asking because is that a usual pairing for Nashville or is that something, or is that the one where they tried it at the end of the game? I can't remember. Um, you you think that much like Hughes and Shen were good last year. That's a neat, uh, that's a neat pairing. At least it has all elements. Shen brings the toughness and the stay at home, whereas Yossi brings more of the offensive flair. 
Alec Kuzmenko is going to be all right. Second NHL season with two different coaches. He's a really good player. No need to panic. I love it. That's a good rational take. Steel Dog says, get a different sweater. Steel Dog, why, why are you being so mean? Why are you being so mean tonight? Last resort, does Hughes need to work on not trying to do everything himself sometimes? Twice late in third, we got hemmed in our zone because he flubbed the puck. Last resort, I will take, uh, I wouldn't even say it's high risk, high reward. You look at the stats across the league at how much Quinn Hughes actually holds on to the puck and possesses the puck. It is by far and away the the highest average time in the entire NHL. So we see so many of the good things he does to assist tonight, two points tonight. But once in a while, he is going to turn it over. But I can live with that. I really can. RP says, what third jersey would you have for the Canucks if they went with the skate full-time? Uh, it's kind of hypothetical because I don't think they are going with the skate full-time. But if they went with the flying skate full-time, I like the stick and rink. I really do. I would go with the stick and rink as my third jersey. Lefty, do you think Susie will have a hard time getting back in the lineup with Juleson? No. Uh, as soon as Susie's ready, you put him in. You really do. And then, um, yes, I do know it means that means that's four lefties for the Canucks. Hughes, Susie, Zadorov, and Cole. But Zadorov, Cole, or Susie could move to the right. So I'm still taking one of those guys on the right side, on their offside, over Juleson. And that's not me hating on Juleson. Juleson has played very well. Way better than I think I expected and many Canucks fans expected. But I still think Susie is a much better player. Good question. Good question. Murray's here from New Zealand. That is awesome. That is awesome. Just saying, no, they changed it up by the end. Okay. Yeah, I don't I don't know enough about the Nashville D pairings, but um, I could see why they would try it if they did. History repeating says, Susie was playing great before the injury. I agree. Rain says, does, does Smith get an extension or go with Seelovs as the backup? You know, Rain, uh, 1.8 million is a lot for a backup. It, like It's, it's kind of like the upper limit that you want to pay a backup so if Silovs has a good season in Abbotsford and a good uh, you know um, I could see them going with him next year again we're only one third through the season but if DeSmith plays really well he might he might want more than 1.8 and I'm not sure if that's the best use of money no problem Steel Dog it's all love thank you thank you thank you thoughts on JT Miller having butter wingers what's a butter winger is that like butter finger or are you saying better wingers and oh, oh, you meant to say Butterfingers. Losing his stick like three times. I saw that. I saw two of them. At least I remember them. But yes, um, I think he was fine. One of the rare games where he did not get a point, though. History repeating. You're not al No, you're not alone at all. I like the stick and ring. I like the flying skate more, but I do like the stick and ring. Steel Dog says, thanks for looking out for Rev Trip. He's a good guy. I've met him, and I like him, and I want him to do well. How much is Swayman getting? Are you talking about like what's Swayman's salary? I can look that up for you. I don't know what that has to do with today's game. But Oh, you're asking just what uh, a, a good backup makes. I, I, I presume that's what you're asking. So I'll look it up for you. Jeremy Swayman. Swayman. Oh, oh, oh. oh, I see your point. He makes 3.5. So what you're saying is Boston has a lot of money tied up in their two goal goalies. If Swayman makes 2.5, Linus Allmark's got to make more than that, right? Allmark makes five. Okay, so you got me. The Boston Bruins are are spending 8.5 on their goaltending, and it's working. They're a top five team in the league, just like we're spending basically seven million on our goaltending, top five in the league. Okay, uh, that's a good point. That's a good point, Joker. 
All right, last five minutes, you guys. This is good. Good questions. If you had a choice of Borkstrand from Seattle, Tom Wilson from Caps, Alex Tuck from Buffalo, who would you choose? I don't know their ages. Um, I've always liked Tuck. I think he's got good speed, good hands for a big guy. Um, how's he doing, though, this year? Thoughts on Myers and his play recently. He seems to play well when he's with a good partner. He's fine. You know, I saw the Zadorov interview with Dropping the Gloves. If you haven't checked out the Zadorov interview with John Scott, it's awesome. And Zadorov loves playing with Myers because he's, he's even says he's not the toughest guy, but he's big, he's fast. He does he can skate with the puck. Um, I know Tockett loves Myers, loves his leadership. I think if you don't notice Myers, that's a good thing. Hard not to notice a guy who's six foot eight, but I think Myers has been pretty good for sure. Fangirl says Vancouver needs to draft more right-hand D. Easier said than done. Lefty all around, I would like to hear just one Tyler Myers hater say how well Myers is playing. Well, I'm not the hater. I'll say he's playing well, though, for sure. Last resort, do we need to worry about the power play? Struggled to get in the zone and did barely anything when we did. Yeah, they, they got to change it up. Um, they got to have more movement. They got the players on there. I'm not completely worried, but you don't want that to be a reason why we don't proceed in the play uh you know uh, advance in the playoffs i know we're a long way from that and uh, and then any power play is going to go up and down but uh, i am concerned a little bit for sure demko makes five million bean child demko makes five million they're all under 30 oh that's good boston also isn't stuck with a massive buyout penalty <laughs> that's true this season it's barely anything for the canucks next season it's, it's a little bit more than the two seasons after that it's like a four million dollar cap hit for sure and then Jeremy's saying that Zadorov really calms down Tyler Myers. I would agree with that completely. Friends, I'm going to wrap it up here. I really appreciate all of your wonderful commentary. I love uh, I saw, I love seeing the energy in the chat. Uh, actually, no, let's keep going. Let's go for a couple more minutes because you guys are asking good questions. Bean Chow says, what is Chichek's position? He's a defenseman. I know he's playing in Abbey. Can we see him this year? No, Bean Chow. I believe he was um, acquired... Well, I think they want the draft pick too, but he was acquired to be depth in Abbotsford. Shafin says, what is our current ceiling? Truly? Um, I, and we haven't played against LA yet this year. It's weird how they've kind of back-ended, back-loaded, whatever their word is, um, all the games against LA for later in the season. But I, I don't think the ceiling is the second round. I think the ceiling could be third round. And if you're already making the third round, then all you got to do is win one more round and you're in the finals. So I'm not going to sit here and say this, the Canucks are the Stanley Cup finals uh, you know, uh, favorites. I am going to say that it's going to be a dogfight between Vegas, Vancouver, and LA this entire season. But any of those three teams could win the division and come out of that division after two playoff rounds. So if that's the case, then the Canucks ceiling, I'd say, would, could be the third round. I really do. I really think that. Last Resort says, what do we look for more, top forward or more D? It's funny that we talk about we need another top six winger. Isn't that what Andrew Kuzmenko is? Um, I would still look for a right shot D, but maybe the priority is the winger now. Uh, but, you know, one one bad injury to our D and it's going to be very tough, but at least we have Susie coming back. But um, I'm, I'm not sure if that's still deep enough. Good question. Dean says, good job. Thanks, Dean. I appreciate that. Steel's dog says, I love coaching staff. Yeah, Zadorov said, sometimes there's nine coaches on the ice and with Tocket, the Sedins, Gonchar, and Foot. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Mr. C doesn't like the flying skate. <laughs> RP, do you think they ex extend to Smith? I have a feeling no. I have a feeling no, as good as he is, um, he might want a bit more money. I'm not sure the Canucks will be wanting to pay all that money.
Last resort, John Shannon said the Horvat trade hasn't worked out great on Sakaris and Price. Oh, the trade return. Your thoughts on the return so far? Ultimately, you, you bounce around all the draft picks. If the if the return is basically Hronik and Ratu for Horvat, I, I'm, I'm taking that all day. Because Bovili basically became Zadorov. Um, so, I, yeah, it, I, I'm sure I'm missing like an important draft pick that went the other way, but it basically became, it was Horvat for Ratu and Bovili and, and then Hronik for that draft pick. I just know that from the trade, I can't do it in my head. It's I know Hronik came out of there. Ratu we still have. And Bavili became Zadorov. So I like it. I like it. All right. Now I think we should wrap up. So that's good. So thank you, everyone. Canucks fans, Predators fans, hockey fans. Thank you for being here on the show of Game Over. Our next show is on Thursday. It is Kaya behind the microphone. Uh, true story. A little peek behind the curtain. I was actually supposed to, uh, Kaya was supposed to do today, and then I was supposed to do Thursday. Then uh, this good dad here recognized it was his daughter's, Kayla's sweet 16th birthday. Yes, Kayla's birthday, Kayla's turning 16 on Thursday night, and I was scheduled to do game over. Not the finest moment from this good looking dad here. So, Kaya and I switched that it was me tonight. So, you get Kaya May on Thursday, and then our last game before Christmas, it will be Parker on Saturday. But let's do one game at a time. Let's look forward to Vancouver in Dallas wrapping up their road trip, a road trip that's been very successful so far. They have five out of a possible six points. The Canucks have won six out of the last seven games. They are 13 games over 500, and they are right behind Vegas in the Pacific Division. Life is good. Speaking of life being good, if you want more of this kind of Canucks analysis and chat and vibe, I stream every night at 11 p.m. on my own channel, Canuck Clay, 11 p.m. Pacific. So yes, it's a little late for any of you not in the Pacific time zone. It's even late for the people in the Pacific time zone. But if you want to join me, I'll be I'll be streaming tonight in a, in two and a half hours at 11 p.m. Would love to have you there. In the meantime, subscribe to SDPN, like the video, and really appreciate all of you being here. So I hope you guys have a really good night, and I hope you make plans to to come back and 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 hang out with Kaya on thursday all right sound good sounds great thanks friends stay safe stay healthy take care of yourselves and take care of each other have a great night